Okay, hello, welcome back to the GigCX Decoded podcast. Uh, this is where we dive into the world of gig-based customer service, or GigCX as we like to call it. And uh, it's brought to you by Liminis. And uh, in my humble opinion, as always, this we are the world's leading GigCX platform. Um, but I, I can say that because I, I'm Chris, I'm your host, and I'm the uh, Chief Sales Officer at Limitless. And uh, on this podcast, we uh, go into more detail around what the concept of GigCX is. And, and uh, yeah, just to do a quick intro about what, what GigCX is all about, it is to uh, allow businesses to crowdsource their customer support by routing digital inquiries to crowds of passionate brand experts, typically uh, brands own customers that are onboarded as, as crowd. So that's what it is. That's what we're talking about. Um, and today I'm uh, very excited to be joined by Marine. And Marine, before I um, hand over to you to say hello, I'm going to openly say that I've never pronounced your surname out of my mouth before. So I'm going to <laughs> not do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that and get it wrong. So Marine, correct me. How, how do I pronounce your surname just to help me? It's very simple. It's just difficult when you read it. So it's Marijn Teboy, which is not super complex, I think, when you listen to it. But when it's you not. read it, it becomes very kind of mystifying almost. And uh, there's no no problem at all. I've been working outside the Netherlands for quite some time. My parents clearly never thought I would work outside the Netherlands when they came up with this name. Uh, it's actually <laughs> a little bit more complex than the one I go with internationally. But nobody that doesn't speak Dutch is able to pronounce it in any decent fashion. So I listen to almost anything that gets close to it. So totally fine. There we go. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, but anyway, so look, it's fantastic to have you on. Thank you for joining the show. Um, we're into a few of these now and we're, we're walking our way around all of the contributors to the, uh, the gig CX annual report that, that Limitless produces really just to get a bit more conversation going about, uh, your perspective and, you know, the, the report can be quite formal, you know, you're going to be quoted and things. So this is a good, good chance for you to, you know, ad lib a little bit more and, and talk about um, you know, your own personal experience and, and obviously what, you know, where, where you're coming from. So you, you were contributed to the report and, you know, on behalf of, of Genesis. And I guess um, in case anybody's been living on Mars, do you want to just introduce yeah, what you do for Genesis, but also who, you know, who Genesis is and, and what they do in the industry? That'd be a good place. So I'm, uh, I've been with Genesis for quite some time, uh, since 2000 actually, and done many different things. Uh, currently, I'm the general manager for the business unit that focuses on uh, our workforce engagement management portfolio. Mm -hmm. so that's all our solutions that we build around employee experience, really, uh, planning-wise, analytics-wise, but also the engagement element that I think is becoming more and more relevant. That's a part of our solution. Um, Genesis has been around for quite some time. I started mm -hmm. really as a more traditional contact center vendor. Uh, but always has been on the edge of innovation. And we've been trying to transform ourselves every couple of years because we feel this industry is growing, changing, innovating quite heavily. And uh, we've been doing that successfully, uh, kind of leading us to, uh, to a leadership position uh, at a global scale from a contact center or customer experience perspective. Very happy with that. And uh, now really moving to an experience as a service vendor in which that all comes together, right? Mm -hmm. The MP experience, the customer experience, proper personalization, uh, Stop stepping away from the old-fashioned KPIs that are very focused on productivity, much more yeah. focused on what the outcome really is that we want to achieve between customer and enterprise. And that's what we're building software for. Uh, 
We do that with about 8,000 people worldwide, and uh, we got an incredibly uh, interesting set of partners uh, on all sides of the, uh, of, the, of the ecosystem, including Limitless uh, uh, for the gig economy. Excellent. Well, there we go. So, I mean, like I said, if anyone's in the, the contact center or CX world, you'd, you'd be, uh, it'd be mad for you not to know who Genesis are. I think you're, yeah, you're the biggest provider of, yeah, yeah biggest provider, would you say, across the, across the industry? I'm sorry? Biggest provider, would you say, across the industry? Uh, we are the biggest provider across the industry. Uh, we initially started as a high-end provider, right? So the really yeah. large, an extra large enterprise. Uh, but over the last few years, we've made great inroads into the mid-market, even S&P yeah. as well. And uh, that all combined, I would argue that we are the biggest one. It's always a, a bit of a definition question, right? Market share, how do you define it? Uh, <laughs> We are the biggest one. What I'm most proud of, though, is that we uh, have a large set of almost every customer being happy with what we're doing, uh, which I think mm. is an important measure. I think that kind of defines the size of your company. Yeah. Yep. Excellent stuff. Righty ho. Right. Well, um, let's get into a few of the few of the questions. So, I mean, the, the first one is a really good place to ask is is really what do you, what impact do you think uh, that GigCX is having on the customer service industry right now? I, so the, I think it's a longer story than just a one-line uh, answer on this one. Right? A lot of stuff has happened over the last couple of years. Um, and I think that every country, wherever you go, you'll find a hard time finding resources to do jobs. And uh, we see that everywhere in the Netherlands where I live, but in the US and in, in any society that we try right. to work with, uh, we, we see that problem. Uh, and I think a large part of that has been the fact that we're trying to do this in the old-fashioned way, and which is not human-centric at all. And we're trying to have this productivity sum that we're trying to answer to, and I don't think that that's where we want to go. Um, I think the gig economy is, is becoming more relevant and becoming something that people talk about because the way that we hire, train, onboard, and work with people uh, is, is changing very, very rapidly. And ultimate flexibility, but also quality, I think, are elements that are becoming more and more relevant. I think 70% of what makes a company is the service that they deliver. And uh, if you then think you can do that in an old-fashioned way by automating uh, stuff a ton or by just going down the BPO route or keep on hiring the way that we were hiring in the past and automating everything that they, you don't want uh, to go to your agents, that's a very negative approach, I, I think. So that's a much more positive approach in which intent really defines what you want to do with your customers. And this is really where gig economy, gig experts come into play, right? Because they deliver on the one side, human empathy and quality and elements like that. They also deliver incredible flexibility in the way that they work and the way that they see work and life and career choices, which adds a ton of value to the more traditional viewpoints that a lot of HR uh, staff mm -hmm. still has, but even in the context of where we live, which is technology uh, in, invested, we, we still see a lot of people thinking old school and uh, and I, it's good to see that that is changing and there's becoming a much more human central view on what uh, what customer service is all about and I believe gig experts uh, are a, a, a missing link in that entire story. Good stuff yeah I mean I just want to pick up on something you mentioned there which is the uh, I think you sort of called it the old school way which is about yeah automation and BPOs do you, do you think there's a do you think there's a sort of movement right now to to that's gone so you know as far as it can go, or do you feel that there's less focus on that because it's can only achieve a certain thing, and there's more focus now around 
the experience or what do you th you know do you think something's changing and if so what do you think it is i, I think there there are some, some things changing slow but i think uh, i think that the companies that really see this in a, in a very good new light are understanding very well that you can't do one without the other really and i'm not here to to say you should not use bpos i think bpos have a really good role to play but right. i think it's important yeah. that you understand what that role really is um, if you look at your contract with your BPO, I would argue that not many uh, contracts will contain the word I'm going to pay you for quality that you deliver. I think that BPOs by nature are very transactional and very quality focused. Mm. And rightly so, that's what we needed, right? We had a, kind of an abundance of volume. We need to get rid of volume. So let's get that volume to the, to the BPO domain. Um, that's the role that they have. And I think that's, that's a fair role. And that role will still stay there for certain demographics or certain maybe not completely clear intents that you might have in the in the domain. Um, if you have volume that you want to move somewhere from a campaign perspective, which is yep. replication and you don't want to automate that, right? So that's where they play. And I, I think they should still stay there. But there's this world in between, and it's, it's kind of provoked by, uh, I think, asynchronous messaging that requires continuous conversations, that requires uh, empathy, that requires a central human viewpoint. Um, but sometimes they are either ongoing in conversational mode or they are just not ready for, for primary agents. So there's this, this mm. gig expert domain that has a, a, an incredible amount of empathy, quite often mm. more than for primary agents, because hopefully they've been there, they see this, they, they have experienced exactly what this customer is looking for or asking for. And then they come with this possibility of making them almost like concierges, concierges right? So they can work uh, mm. incredibly complex shifts, really. They can work one hour here, 15 minutes there, 10 minutes there. Uh, and primary agent in your context would never be able to do that. Right. In your outsource environment, you will never be able to, uh, to go there, right? Automation doesn't have the empathy that you would require. So there's a really important role for the, for the gig expert in this domain to add value, add flexibility, add empathy and humanity to the primary and BPO uh, agents. I think the biggest trick though, and that's where I see the new viewpoints uh, becoming clearer and clearer is to to do this holistically and you can't say i'm going to do this with my primary agent and i'm going to do that with my right, uh, yeah. gig experts and that with my bpo it, it simply doesn't work that way i think everybody needs to understand that that context in a management or operations or customer engagement is becoming super real time and uh, so you can't just block it up and think that you'll be fine that's a strategy based on hope i don't think hope is the right way to go do, do you think um like you mentioned there about you know, asynchronous messaging come out. So the, the way I, um, yeah, when we introduced, you know, limitless and what gig CX is, um, I mean, the, the first thing I always do, I mean, it's probably a bit tongue in cheek, but I, I'm always, I'll say to people, has anyone here had, you know, do, uh, taken an Uber or a Lyft, uh, right. or stayed in Airbnb or had their food delivered by delivery or just eat. And everyone goes, yep, yeah, sure. Hands. I go, okay, great. And does anybody here use WhatsApp to talk to their friends? And then everyone goes, yep, yeah, I'll put my hand up. Okay. And when you look for some form of recommendation, like, I mean, I'll, get, I'll give you an example, actually. I was, um, uh, I needed to buy my um, girlfriend a present. It was like an electric drum kit. So it's really random, right? But I know nothing about drums. <laughs> Apart from right. I'm very good at tapping on the on the desk. Apparently I'm one of the world's best at that, but that's self-proclaimed. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to go in the market to buy these. And, you know, you, you go into Amazon or the web, or whatever. I mean, it's just hundreds, right? So uh, what did I do? I picked up my phone, 
I went onto WhatsApp. I asked a bunch of my buddies, buddies, does anybody know anything about about this? Someone put their hand up and said, yep. And they replied about half an hour later with a recommendation. I'm like, yeah, human nature, that's my human nature now, is to pick up a digital device, ask a question using an asynchronous messaging tool, and somebody who was able to put their hand up and say, yeah, I I know the answer to this. Here's my recommendation came in. I'm like, um, that's actually not too dissimilar to what really what GigCX is all about, which is is that it's is bringing the um, – yeah, everyone's familiar with sort of forums and communities, which is when you've got, you know, huge numbers of people that turn up to these websites with the knowledge, but they work on their own time and they've got their own product knowledge and they do it out of their own, you know, self-belief, right? And really all, all, all that's happening is we're bringing that in. But the, the, the question I have for you was around um, asynchronous messaging. And do, do you think, because if you, you know, even back in the day, you had, you know, originally it was just voice, right? Just voice and that was it. And that was real time as long as once you got connected, which could be, you know, could be hours, right? But, you know, you, you're talking to someone, it's real time. And then email came along. And even now I still get emails back to say, thank you for email, we'll come back to you within five business days. You're like, I mean, what's all that about? Um, and then you've got, you know, social media and other, you know, live chat sort of in the middle of all of that. What, what do you think the um, the kind of perception is around asynchronous messaging in a customer service environment as opposed to voice being instant and email taking potentially days? From a kind of enterprise perspective or from a consumer perspective? From more of a consumer perspective, really. But it's, you're right. It's, uh, it still blows my mind that when you send an email, sometimes an email is the, the, the more formal way of communicating that you then get an yeah. answer. By the way, you always get this answer from a box that you can't reply to, which is the most <laughs> yeah. annoying trick. Uh, and I don't understand why that is. It just, I think it ruins their data as more than it does mine. But um, uh, but I do think that the, the, the overarching or the, 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 the more compelling way to communicate with an enterprise these days seems to be asynchronous because mm -hmm. you can do what you want, uh, which kind of implies that an enterprise can also create some flexibility around the way that they want to communicate with you as long as they do, right? So as soon as you start making promises, then you need to keep your promise. And if you want to over-deliver, then under-promise. And, uh, and I think that asynchronous is an incredibly good way to do so uh, for your consumers. I still think that voice is a channel and the, the pandemic showed it uh, quite mm -hmm. easily. It's not going to go away. It's going to stay. No. It's going to be relevant for certain intents. And those are all intents that I think require a human element. And that might be sarcasm or irony, but most often it's empathy and, and confirmation, right? Uh, I listened to a lot of these conversations when the pandemic started and all these customers were calling uh, airlines and hotels mm -hmm. and, and for confirmation of their cancellation or anything like that, voucher. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the automation that was in place wasn't good enough, right? It didn't give them the feeling that they got this confirmation or this feeling. Funny enough, with asynchronous, we see this more. So because people got the opportunity after they got the confirmation to ask a question. So this is this is the actual confirmation. And so, yes, this is the actual confirmation. So the companies that do this in a smart way are using asynchronous in a almost voice-like confirmation or, or human capability, uh, which I think is a great way to communicate. It's much better than chat, right? Chat is, is, is almost the same as voice these days. You're waiting yeah. on a website and in all reality, you're just waiting for the person to answer, right? The number of times that people are staring blindly to those three dots is, is there an answer coming? Yes or not? 
Yeah. It doesn't really accommodate asynchronous, and uh, uh, which is a good thing. That being said, I think that a lot of people, when something needs to be decided now, mm. will still go for either the chat or the voice channel. Right. So I need an answer now. Yeah. I can't wait yeah. twenty-four hours. I need it now. Um, so I think that the intent kind of already defined where people will want to go yeah. with their, their uh, with their uh, with their question. That's also why I think that uh, because one of the reasons you get this email five days from now is that email is a costly channel for an enterprise, and uh, which is still a way of operating within a lot of these enterprises, right? Like a cost channel, engaging with your customers should not be a cost channel. It should be a channel in which you try to create servers that will allow you to stand out. And cost should not even be a question really uh, that is prime in your decision-making on where to take your customers. Mm. So if I decide to use email, then I should get the same service level kind of anticipation or have the same sort of anticipation as any other channel. There should not mm. be a real difference between it. Uh, and technology allows you to do that. So leverage that technology. People allow you to do that if you want to leverage more people, right? And different kind of people. And again, this is where gig experts can play a great role as well, especially around email. Right? There's no reason why email should delay you or, or slow you down. There's just no reason for it. Um, so that's that's how I would see it. But I do think that asynchronous is, and I, I, I created a forecast in 2015 where I said that asynchronous would be bigger than chat and email by 2020. And uh, I was wrong. So uh, <laughs> I was wrong in more than one thing, but this one I was wrong at because it didn't take off as, as quick as I thought. And the main reason for it not taking off was that enterprise were afraid that they would open the floodgates and have no clue what to do with it, right? So as soon as you open WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or whatever the dominant channel is, it's really hard to just close it again. You can't say at five o'clock my agents are going to go. That's yeah. not how synchronous works, right? It's always no. there. It's always, it's always open. Done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they were really afraid that the volume they would get would sort of spike so heavily that they would not be able to handle it. So they kind of artificially slowed it down. They kept it lit. They had some automation in there. Uh, some of them went to Apple Business Chat, but really didn't take off all that much on, uh, on mm. that side of the house. Uh, so somewhere down the road, the customer pressure became so immense. And, and I think that everybody that was making the decision started using an asynchronous tool as well. So it suddenly be, really became part of your own life. And if that's the case, uh, my teenager would not go anywhere else to communicate. Right? Actually, right now, my daughter uh, is 20 years old, so an adult is uh, uh, talking to her driving uh, instructors to find a, a driving instructor for her Dutch uh, driver's license. I had to kind of coach her on how to have that conversation, partly because of her Dutch, but partly because she doesn't use the phone at all. Right? She's not <laughs> used to using the phone. So my, I just you have to coach her on what to say and kind of how to say it. Uh, these guys are not on messaging, so you have to call them. So it's an old-fashioned <laughs> way of doing business, but there you go. And uh, so her dominant behavior is to go directly to uh, to WhatsApp in this scenario. My son does the exact same thing, and uh, she's 20. So she will expect that she can do any business like she does it in private. And, and that's where asynchronous will stand the test of time, will become the biggest one in the, in the, in the next decade or so uh, from all the digital channels. But you, um, you've picked up on a really important point there, I think, which is the you know, every year that goes on, the, the the customer base, if you like, that want to ask these questions to the brands mm-hmm. are more are using social media or asynchronous messaging more prolifically than they would yeah perhaps an older generation that is i remember voice if i really want to get older someone i'm gonna i'm gonna go down this route but at the same time the uh the workforce you know uh, that are in the contact centers are 
you know, when they enter the you know the employment age, they're also used to this you know way of working as well, and are probably less used to um, a different topic, which maybe we'll cover off in a minute. But um, are less used to you know I was t- I was um, having this conversation with a family member the other day, and I was saying you know in fifteen or so years time when my daughter. Uh, goes to work we'll be having this conversation with saying you know it, years ago daddy used to go to an office he used to go on a train or get in a car and he used to drive an hour and a half to get to an office and he used to sit on his bum all day in a building that was air conditioned it was too cold inside and too hot outside and we used to sit there for eight or nine hours a day and then i'd do the drive home and it'd be like well, why would you do that when the world is so connected with you know with, with the with with you know uh digital messaging or the flexible working but the point i was i've gone around the houses on was to do with the um you know, the kind of propensity for customers and the every year that goes by they're being more willing to and actually their preference is to use more digital based communication as opposed to old ones which leads me on to um about awareness really so in in the in the report that we we did and we surveyed you know loads of cx leaders from all different types of industry actually like yourselves on the enterprise side into actual you know owners and operators of of uh, contact centers um half of them said they had awareness of of gig cx but three quarters right. of those follow my thread um said that they were planning on bringing gig cx into their operations which is Considering that you know this GigCX has only been around really for about six six years or so, you know that's a you know huge amount of people that are now thinking about why that's coming in. Why do you think that that level of awareness has increased so rapidly? Well, partly due to reports like this, right, and the work that you guys are doing, and so it's a little <laughs> bit the work that we are doing as well. But um, the uh, I, th- I think there's just a problem that people are trying to solve that they can't really solve uh, without opening their eyes and thinking out of the box. And I think that's where the gig economy becomes a topic. Um, like like mixed realities is becoming a topic as well from, for mm. the same problem uh, solution, to be totally honest. Um, the Great Resignation was a great name for a year. And uh, after the pandemic, it was time to get something like that. But people struggle to find resources to do their jobs. and and mm. and. Back to those those generations, the, the millennials are already done and they're dusted, right? They're already in the workforce, so it's talking about mm. generations. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Uh, they are really making different decisions right now. They uh, they are probably the first generation that really went through a pandemic in their in their teens uh, mm. uh, with lockdowns and not being able to go to school. The entire virtuality of of the work, etc., became normal in, in in their era. Not having a great war either, although that's changing a little bit now with the Ukraine and Russia, but, mm. but different than, than the generations before that. And they come in and uh, and they walk away and they don't want to do this job or they want a different job. And uh, it was super hard for, for those people which were trained to onboard large amounts of people all the time right. because they knew they would be gone in two years. Suddenly to not be able to find those people anymore to onboard and change strategies and tactics to move away from this this trick that we all mastered by getting thousands of agents through the door, train them on board and on board and train them, get them working. And then knowing that we just didn't spend a lot of time on them and in two years they were gone, most of them anyway, to how do we make sure we keep our agents, right? 
how do we make sure that we make our agents relevant in everything that we do? Um, so people that suddenly face that problem needed to start looking at other solutions as well to augment the, the, the work that they were doing. Mm. I think that, that one of the, the more logical things is that you then go look outside at the BPO domain and this is where the gig economy then becomes a, an alternative uh, because it's not the same. That being said, it's also not replacing it, right? It's just adding to, to the, the construct of, of your human pyramid in all fairness or your resource pyramid. And I think that's where people start kind of tapping into how oh, this is an interesting way of doing it, maintaining quality, adding to my primary agent, not just to my volume uh, question that I have. Uh, be able to open my digitized channels that I was always afraid to open. And a lot of companies that in the pandemic said, we're good, we're good to go. We got everything automated. So they can go to the website and they will be fine. Turn out to be right. And uh, very quickly learned that what they actually did was cause a mess of frustration with people moving away from the web back to the voice channel. So they missed this link between, and, and I think that that's where the uh, solution-oriented people started looking for, for solutions, and this is where gig economy became a topic. It is something to note, though, that only half of your uh, population said, yeah, mm. I'm aware of it, right? Mm. As soon as they're aware of it, they see this as a relevant investment. Mm. So if 75% of that half actually is investing in the gig economy, yep. it also means there's still a half of the population that doesn't know this yet and are probably still struggling with trying to find the right answer. So even more reason for reports like this to to get a larger audience and uh, and get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's uh, our mission in this as well is one of the pioneers of this industry is to help educate the market. You know, we, we've I've been in this industry a very long time as well. My first ever job was in the the contact center and Roger and Megan, our founders have run BPOs for over 20 years each. You know, they're the biggest problem they had, which is something you mentioned was this constant conveyor belt of trying to find the talent in the first place, then train them, then coach them before they become live and productive and then keep them in a market that is often paying minimum wages and loyalty can be very liquid and they can often move somewhere for a tiny pay increase or perk or you know whatever it might be or change in their work environment and then you're back to trying to find more trying to train more trying to shadow them and then and that con you know an attrition is typically 50 percent in a within a 12 months and, and all, all that was being seen at that stage was that the you know, attrition numbers were getting higher and there and the, the two points I think you mentioned was was that it's the access to talent in the first place now. So it's now actually finding them in the first place to even introduce them to the the conveyor belt, and the, and that seems to be becoming more of a an issue, which is right. then causing the leaders to think, you know, look look at alternative methods. And in you know, a gig CX is one of those. You can obviously do more with automation. You can do more with self serve, but. The, as you mentioned, self-serve is only as good as if you've if you've done that thing before, you know you can come back to it confidently. But a lot of these contacts are through people that are doing that thing for the first time. They may not have constant interactions with an organization. It may be they're one off, you know, they're or once every, you know, they're moving house or they're chasing up a delivery or they've got a product that they didn't think was going to fail but has failed or it doesn't quite work with another product, you know, the headphone syncing to something or, you know, wherever it might be. So it's not like they're coached already in their minds to think, oh, this is how I, I do this sort of stuff. So that kind of guided 
self-service you know is a nice way of describing where the gig economy can help because you, you're tapping into people that, that you know they've been in your shoes yeah. and they can offer that you know they can offer that guidance but I, I do you know from, from what we've what we've seen you, i mean you, you're absolutely right that you know half of them were unaware so yep we've, we've got a mission the industry's got a mission to kind of educate people but what we have seen in the last year since we did the report before was that the the amount of leaders now talking about this coming into their organizations has increased it feels like the perceptions of gig cx have changed and there, and there, there is a question there which i'll get to in a minute which is about um the 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 gig economy covers any economy right it, it, you can and and there there are organizations out there which i'm not going to name that have utilized gig as a way to drive even lower costs down because they can get access to a to a workforce and effectively pay them the you know the absolute you know, lowest amounts that they can um do you think the, the perceptions are changing amongst the leaders and, it, and if so how well i do think the perceptions are changing yes uh, i think they're changing i think they're changing more on the, the side of effectiveness uh, I think one of the, the mistakes that a lot of, of leaders still make when they think about gig economy is that they think about it as a cost structure. Uh, it's nice that you can do it at low cost, but I, I, I think that the foremost, for me, the, the most important reason for gig economy to slice into the human uh, the resource pyramid is the ability to get flexibility at a, a decent cost with a human angle and quality angle to it. Uh, that is paid in a different way than, than transactional or, or anything like that, right? So it's much more focused on the, quant the quality of what we actually deliver uh, from a, a hence result oriented, which I think is, is really important and much more valid for me. Um, but I think that a lot of people, the, the, I think that the reason it's really shifting is that people are starting to realize that it can be effective, mm. right? So it's not just a, a, an idea or, or a conceptual approach. It can be incredibly effective. And I was a bit surprised it took so long because I believe that everybody knows that when you get a pair recommend, like you told the story that you told about the electric drum kit, when you get a peer recommendation, you will take that more serious than when you get an enterprise recommendation. So mm -hmm. peer recommendations are super important. That's the success of TripAdvisor and companies like that are all based on that. Um, so it's a little bit surprising to see that it took them so long to realize that when you do this in a gig world, you can leverage that concept, that element of it very effectively. And, uh, and I think it's something that you should understand as well, right? I can even argue that in certain intents, it might be better to let a person know you're going to talk to a gig expert who is not part of this company XYZ, uh, yeah. knows everything about what you're asking about. And I think that that answer will be treated more seriously than any company answer that you would require or get. Um, I always gave the example when, when I was confronted by the government of labor or whatever they call in, in the US. So well, I can't work for us, right? So we don't have a loyal following. We don't have people. But no, we have tons of people on websites that are helping other people understand what it is like to uh, to um, uh, apply for unemployment benefits. So there's millions of them, unfortunately, that have that experience, right? So there's a ton of people that could be gig experts in your domain as well. It's yeah. not limited to hotel reservations or retail. It works well in, in government as well, just because of the sheer fact that the load of empathy and the experience that those people have is available you've you've already covered off a bit around the um sort of conversation function is, is there anything before we go back in is there anything you really wanted to 
to talk about or or highlight? Well, the, the one thing I think one of the questions I had, although I closed the document, is about the uh, automation element of it, right? Uh, and I strongly feel that so the, the, the self-service domain that we see today is still doing the same thing as we did with the IPR. So it's wrong. It's not adding any value and it's not augmenting your, your, your resources at all. It's just trying to replace some, which I think is not the right way to do automation. So I think they should learn from conversations much more. Okay. So what, what I'll do then, if I ask a question about, um, so the, the, the model that we um, we like to talk about is for us, the sort of utopian state is to understand the intent of the question and from that decide based upon whether to route that to automation, route it to an in-house uh, agent or to bring GigsX in and having that ability because you've got a sliding scale then of, um cost you know automation being the cheapest but typically csat being the lowest and then you've got the other end of the scale which is a human agent where the cost is the highest but also the csat is typically the highest because they're getting that you know human interaction and gig cx being somewhere in the middle uh, i'm not saying that cx is lower often it's higher but it just provides that sort of option really to optimize the contact that's coming in and route it to the most appropriate channel based upon cost and CSAT. Yeah, so, so the, I, I don't think you should root it to the most appropriate channel. Right? I think that we are, uh, for the last 25, 30 years, we've been living in, and talking about this channel, almost syndrome that we all have, uh, multi-channel and omni-channel. Uh, I think that when you design an experience, uh, we like the word frictionless, but it goes without saying almost, it should be almost a zero channel experience. Right? It doesn't really matter what channel we're talking about. At the end of the day, I've got somebody that is trying to engage with me as an enterprise that has a question or a problem or maybe wants to buy something. Right. The more I know about this intent, the more accurate I will be in predicting what outcome will be the best for both of us. And how do I serve that outcome in the most proper way? Mm. And not necessarily the cheapest way, but in the best way. And, uh, and if the best way is to go down an automated path, that's great. If the best mm -hmm. way is to go down a human path, that's great as well. Um, and if the human path is either a gig expert or a primary resource or even a BPO resource, then mm -hmm. fine, based on what I'm trying to achieve, right? So the prediction of that outcome is AI, and, and we can do that these days, right? Yeah. Routing is not about channels anymore. Routing is about the ability to predict what outcome I'm trying to achieve. So what is the most personalized experience I can deliver to this one person? And you're right. We always think that people call in like 17 times a year. That's nonsense, right? Actually, that amount would be somewhat awful and, and almost shocking. Uh, it's very rare that they do, and, and they kind of enter a lingo-loaded environment, which is hard for them to understand. Yet we think that they can self-serve themselves everywhere they go, which mm. is, I think, somewhat naive and, and mm. highly optimistic. Um, partly because we treat automation as a deflection element or a mm. replacement element. And, the first thing when you, what you get when you go to a developer, can you create a bot to me, is that he will try to replace a human, right? Or get, mimic a human in its approach, which yeah. I don't necessarily think is the right approach. We tried this before with IVR, the interactive voice response in the 90s. Uh, I don't think you will find a lot of fans of the IVR that say, oh, no, I love it when I call in, I get to type one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> and do that 17 times. It's, it's not the way that automation really worked well, right? People feel locked very quickly. And that's not what we're trying to replace with, with bots that are doing the exact same thing. So when you say, 
somewhat carefully that probably the, the satisfaction is not the highest. It's not. It is the fastest rising uh, uh, dissatisfying channel that we have and see. Mm mainly because we're treating bots like we treated IVR ports and we should start stop doing that and start looking at how do we use these bots and this automation capability we now have because of all this data information that we have and augment the human population that we have because that will solve two things. First of all, it will solve your customer's problem, but it also solve your own human problem, right? So I can't find all these resources. So let me try to figure out how do I make sure that the population that I do have like the hundred or a thousand agents that I do have supported by secondary and BPO yep. resources, secondary being the gig resources. I know exactly what they can handle. So let me make sure that they get the conversation that really require their skill set. And that is human, that's empathy, sarcasm, irony, all those things that we talked about, conviction, conviction uh, convincing people of certain elements is the right product to buy. Humans are much better in that than bots are. Bots are much better in, in compliance statements, in billing, in, in replicating mm. uh, elements like address change and stuff like that. So instead of creating separation between the two, let's augment these elements and make sure that whatever happens, the uh, customer can always go from one to the next without any friction in between. But let's start with the one we think will serve the outcome in the best way. And if it doesn't, intercept that and make sure that we go to the next level of that path. That's not what we see a lot, right? What we see a lot is still this channel approach, silos building, people mm. locked into the silo they can't get out of anymore, frustration building mm. within that silo and then leaving it, starting again. Uh, I used to call that the Dory effect when Finding Nemo came out and it was uh, resonated with that <laughs> population. Generation Zs have never seen Finding Nemo, so they don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, don't stop kind of constantly uh, repeating what you're doing. And we talked about that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's kind of weird that we still do that, right? And there's no need for it anymore. So serve and let's let's use automation to to augment the humans. And by the way, use your humans to augment your automation, right? It goes mm. both ways. And uh, I think if you do that, it becomes very logical to fit gig experts into your holistic view of what your resource pyramid should be like and what role they would play within that pyramid. Um, and I think that's when you do that, you will find a solution for the problems that you have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some great stuff in there around. I perhaps didn't describe that very well, but around, um, I think you know, intent based routing, and and that's yeah, where where bots could potentially help more is about you know, it may, you know, almost like a conversation where you're you know you, you're you enter into an organization through whatever channel, but and a bot says. Um, you know, I am a bot, for example, to start with, rather than trying to mask being right. human. So I'm a bot, and I'm going to now ask you a few questions. Then I'm going to then I'm going to route you to uh, where I think is the most appropriate, you know, channel for you or the most appropriate resource pool. Effectively, you know, let's, let's refer it to that. Then it's more overt. Then it's right. more deliberate, and the customer thinks, okay, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, uh, trying to um, confuse a robot that is quite open. So I'm going to ask you these questions and then I'm going to, this is then what I'm going to do next because, you know, a prime example yesterday, I was, I had a, um, uh, at a, at a missed package. And, uh, I mean, this just, this is the sort of, you know, we're in 2022 and this is, this is the experience I had yesterday. Right. So I had a, I had a, I had a, um, text to say, we've, um, we've tried to deliver a package and it wasn't, uh, and you weren't at home. Right. The link in the, uh, text to book to the re-delivery didn't work so it went onto a website that didn't work so i then found the website independently used the 
package number that was on the text and it wasn't long enough so that didn't work um then i go on to the uh can i help you robot thing that pops up in the corner and it says you know i'm only giving you these two options you're either sending or receiving i was receiving and what's and um it's a put in your package number i said okay well i can't get past this so then it was like do you have another is there some other issue and i was like yes and it immediately defaulted to you you must be reporting a problem about how we've damaged your car or your house and I'm, I'm, well, well no and i went down this whole elaborate route purely just so i could get a package we delivered but i've tried three different you know yeah, the SMS thing just didn't work. So nobody, nobody's like you said earlier about the email where nobody even, it either comes from a do not reply address to start with or nobody monitors it in the first place. So, you you know, if you're going to send something, expect to receive it back in that same format because that's what we're conditioned to do. So, yeah, it's just amazing how in some areas where they're trying so much to use automation to get rid of, uh, you know, low level, low complexity inquiries, which mine was, and failing and i'm now getting to the point where i'm now getting uh i'm getting exasperated and i'm trying to find different channels for me to call that you know the next thing i was about to do was a phone call and then i was going to not you know god only knows where i'd be within all of that but yeah, effort and ease is what what is the what the world is all about trying to make things easier and more effortless and frictionless for people mm-hmm. and if they knew what my question if that bot said you know had more intelligence to understand what it was I was calling about the fact that it didn't even have an option for misdelivery and they're a delivery company. I mean, you know, you've got one job to do. Um, there wasn't even an option for that. And then a good example of probably a project that never included an agent, right? Yeah. Let's not, let's yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. So like we'll just uh, IT and, and management will work together and, and try to avoid you getting to a human because that feels a little bit, that's deflection. Yes. That's a bad strategy that it might save you some cost, but in the long run, I think it's going to be more expensive to do it that way than to within that that window that you were on their website, they should have figured out like 10 times that you had a problem that could not be solved by your website, but needed a human because your number just didn't work, right? Yeah. Um, and they should have intercepted that immediately. So listen, the bot should have immediately said, uh, I can't answer this for you. I'm going to add whoever yeah. to this yeah. conversation. And, and I would have argued it's probably better to move this to a voice channel, right? This was a problem that is easy, easier to fix over a voice channel anyway. Yeah. Uh, I had something similar. I actually ended up with the guy in the actual storage room that was sitting next to my package before the package was kind of retrieved. And uh, it's, it's amazing, but, uh, but that's the case. Yeah. And by the way, all these people that could work in a contact center are uh, now working as couriers and delivering food and goods right. and stuff like that because there of very well right we could talk for ages um about this topic but we uh we'll probably be here for another couple of hours or so so before we kind of wrap up i mean in your humble opinion do you think gig cx is here to stay do you think it's going to grow what's your prediction based upon the fact that your last prediction didn't work quite as quickly as you thought so i had some that worked though so it's not the only one apparently the, the ones that don't work are more funny than the ones that actually did <laughs> Um, no, it's here to stay. I don't think there's any debate about it. And, and yeah. even analyst firms like Gartner are now predicting that a large percentage of contact center agents that we see today will work under a contractual environment that's much similar to the gig economy than it is to a traditional employer uh, contract. Right? That will only be provoked by by Generation Zs coming into the into the workplace at, at mm. mass uh, over the next decade. 
Uh, and if I look at my own kids, both of Generation Zs, they will like being able to work that way and, for instance, travel the globe, right, when you can work whenever you want. And uh, I think it's, it's an outcome for a lot of people as well from a contractual perspective. I think it also fits and solves and fills a gap that a lot of, uh, a lot of companies have. And uh, so the ability for you to do peer recommendations is, I think, a great yeah. good. And, and hence, because of that, I think it will grow and it will keep on growing. Uh, and that uh, half of the, the population is not even aware of it as soon as they will. Uh, I think it could be explosive too. Just tough. Okay. Well, Ryan, thank you for your time. It's been great as always talking to you. No doubt we'll, uh, we'll see each other soon. For those Very listening, good. thank you. Um, if you want to know more about the report, you can go to limitlisttech.com and you can easily download it there. And then stay tuned. Next one, we're all walking away around all of the great contributors to the report. And uh, the next one will be out soon and we'll get some more great insights. Uh, to GigCX. Thanks for your time and uh, stay tuned. We'll be in touch soon. Mm -hmm.